Hello everybody, this is Scott from Zonisodes. Thank you so much for checking out the show. Before we get started, I want to give you a little bit of a peek under the hood. You see, we started looking at these Twilight Zone episodes all the way back in 2017. And as I record this, it's 2022. You see, we took a bit of a hiatus that turned into about a four-year gap completely entirely my fault but we are back and we are recording new episodes but before we get those new episodes out we wanted to re-release the original show so you can get caught up with all of the old episodes before we dive in to some of the new ones so these first 19 shows are going to be a bit dated you're going to hear us talk about the bright future of 2022 and you're going to hear us talk about a new twilight zone show by jordan peele that's coming out that now has run its course of two seasons so just bear with with us and when we get to episode 20 which is elegy those will be brand new shows thank you again for checking us out we ask you to go to our new website not the one i talk about at the end of this show but our new website anchor.fm slash zonisodes that's anchor.fm slash zone dash i dash sodes so you can see all the places you can subscribe to the podcast as well as check out our social media we would love to hear from you and please 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 if you could give us a like give us a review it really does help the show grow thanks so much and on with the show there is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man It is a dimension as vast as space and as timeless as infinity. It is the middle ground between radio and bar talk, between commentary and recaps, and it lies between the pit of man's Netflix subscriptions and the summit of his binge-watching ability. This is the dimension of podcasting and the Twilight Zone. These are the Zonisodes. And now your hosts, Brandon Davis and Scott McFarland. Hello everyone out there in podcast land. Welcome to the Front Row Movie Reviews, the podcast for people who actually like movies and TV in some cases. And welcome to the eighth episode of our Zonisodes review of every single stinking episode of The Twilight Zone. And uh, we are going to be looking at uh, Time Enough at Last. With me a day to look at this is, as usual... Brandon Davis, I host Classics, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the world's a little less funny today since Don Rickles died. I'm just going to say that. But you I, know. I, I figured you were going to you're going to put that in there. <laughs> luckily, we're, luckily, we're recording this right before it goes live, so it actually will it's, be timely. It's timely. <laughs> so I wouldn't have thought it otherwise. <laughs> no, the next two episodes will not be as timely. And we also have our first special guest. I put out a call for people to uh, tell us what their favorite episodes were, and uh, the first person who named one that was coming right up was this. So with us today is... Craig. Hi. Hi, Craig. I'm special. In many ways. Um, Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Craig, what do you do here since everyone likes their titles? Uh, Associate Editor-in-Chief of the Front Row Movie Reviews, and uh, so I'm the one that pays the bills. Um, and pays the talent. Uh, luckily, we don't have any of that, so I don't have to worry about paying it. Um, Truth. And then I also host Beyond the Mouse, our Disney-themed podcast. Um, and I have a really adorable cat. Who's drinking beer. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much a given at this house. <laughs> Truth. 
So uh, I'll go ahead and get us started with a brief synopsis, and then we'll dive into Brandon uh, telling us what Ron had to say, and we'll go from there. Henry Bemis is a terrible employee. He's a bank teller who can't make change, and he reads on the job. When he goes home, his sociopath wife uh, makes his life uh, just a bit more miserable so that he is properly prepared for the next morning when his boss continues to make his life miserable. Until one morning when World War III starts and ends while Henry is in the vault. Henry doesn't seem to be really care about the death of billions just as long as he has his books. Although he soon realizes that probably an optometrist uh, surviving would have been helpful for him as his glasses break, <laughs> leaving him with plenty of books and no way to read them in the Twilight Zone. Nice. Short, sweet, and to the point. Yeah. Brandon, what did, have to, what did Rod have to say? He says, witness Mr. Henry Bemis, a charter member in the Fraternity of Dreamers, a bookish little man whose passion is the printed page, but who is conspired against by a bank president and a wife and a world full of tongue cluckers and the unrelenting hands of a clock. <laughs> I guess. Just a moment. Sorry, go ahead. I had to say that carefully. <laughs> but in just a moment, Mr. Bemis will enter a world without bank presidents or wives or clocks or anything else. He'll have a world all to himself without anyone. Hearing Rod Serling say that was not as fun as hearing you say that just now. Just saying. <laughs> Tongue cluckers. Tongue cluckers. <laughs> All right. Well, first, let's uh, let's kind of talk about our first impressions of this and kind of our memory of when we first saw this. And because we have Craig here today, let's start out with him and put him on the spot. So what's funny is you mentioned that I said that this was my favorite episode, which I thought that it was. Uh, And then I went back and watched it yesterday. Um, I think it's just more of the most iconic episodes, to use Jeremy's word. Um, It, you know, it's one of those episodes that's constantly parodied or referenced in a lot of pop culture. Um, and as a kid, it was kind of striking because of the, you know, the, the whole H bomb aspect of of that going off while he's in the bank vault. Um, but when you think about the actual story, um, having watched it again, I, I guess maybe it's because I'm older now that I'm going back and watching these, uh, as you guys go along. And, and I would have to say my, my favorite has changed. Uh, so you might have me on again. I, you're I just really, trying to get on more than once is all you're doing I, right now. I enjoy, uh, I really enjoy the billiards episode. Um, uh, that's a good I, one. It's one of my favorites. I would say that, that that's actually probably moving up the list, but, um, I think it is appropriate speaking of, I mean, we've, we just had a special address from the president talking about, uh, shooting missiles off into Syria. So, uh, it's just, it's just a constant reminder that, uh, even though we feel like these times, that times have changed and we don't uh, need to do the duck and cover drills and uh, a lot of the, the political statements that the Twilight Zone was trying to make during this, this episode, a lot of that's still relevant today and still kind of scary that, that that's a possibility out there. Um, I mean, if there were a nuclear holocaust, I don't know if I would um, recommend going outside and <laughs> sleeping on a couch. Um, but <laughs> the couch shielded him from radiation. It's fine. So anyway, uh, so first impressions. I really did enjoy this. Uh, I really did enjoy this episode quite a bit as a kid. I remembered it. Um, it was one of the Twilight Zones. I vehement, I, I really vividly remembered. Uh, but now going back and watching it, it's it doesn't hold up as well for me. You were having the same experience I had with the lonely lonely last week. 
Mm-hmm. If you listen to that show. Um, <laughs> so I, can I, out of curiosity, Brandon, you're the, about the same age as I am, uh, a little younger. But uh, Craig, did you actually have to do duck and cover drills in mm-hmm. school? See, I actually did. Brandon, oh, did you really? have to? No. Yeah, I, it was elementary school. I, I don't think it happened much. And they claimed it was for earthquakes, but it was basically the same kind of thing. We did watch the film strip with nuclear weapons. It was quite fun. So that would have been 87, 88. I was born in 87. Oh, okay. You are younger than me. All right. Well, <laughs> so about 87 or 88, they were still doing it, at least in, um, in, uh, lovely, uh, Silvis schools. Um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously the nuclear piece is something that's going to come back in the Twilight Zone because, well, the Twilight Zone was filmed in the middle of the Cold War, uh, but this is the first time we've dealt with it. Uh, Brandon, you're up. Uh, to, to me, just watching it again, this is what Rod Serling and this show does best. It's a very simple story that could be told in a little paragraph, but uh, somehow because uh, – which you did. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, just – once again, as I always say, due to the casting of an amazing actor like Burgess Meredith and the tone that's set and the times that it was in and everything, he it, it, he just encapsulated at 25 minutes just a, a feeling that everyone was having, this feeling of uncertainty, this feeling of, um, of wanting companionship. And he also... Um, there's also a little bit, which I was reading up on, you know, of Serling's commentary of, of the anti-intellectualism movement that was going on at the time about how, you know, which, you know, goes on in every generation. You know, people are always a little suspicious of people who are a little too bookish. Um, but That's you not know, at all relevant today. <laughs> there aren't but, a lot of dumb people uh, ruling the world or anything. Well, I... I goes unsaid but uh, <laughs> i think it was just said <laughs> but hey david copperfield's now doing ma- magician stuff right magician magician stuff right yeah he was talking about the magician right yeah, oh, copperfield? yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely not the dickens yeah. <laughs> scared the dickens out of him but but no, I, but unlike Craig, this episode does hold up for me. I think it's one of the Serling's best. I don't know if it would be my, um, I don't know if it would be my uh, particular favorite though. But I do think that it deserves to be in the top three or four of the uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone episodes. I'm sorry for laughing. I'm laughing at Craig's cat, but I'm also laughing at the way you structured that grammatically. You said, unlike Craig, this episode holds up, which means that Craig does not hold up. Have you seen my bald spot, man? I'm not holding up well. <laughs> so I'm kind of in. Dirty, guys. Don't remind me. So I'm kind of in the middle on this one. Um, it, it obviously, if you look at the rankings for like the top Twilight Zone episodes of all time, this one is either in the one spot every time or it is very, very close to the one spot. Uh, and I think Craig is right in some of that. I think it's because it is probably the one that's shown the most. So people recognize it the most. Yeah. But I also think Burgess Meredith is something that needs to be uh, something, some person needs to be talked about here because his portrayal of this is something that I remember the most. And obviously Burgess is going to come back a lot. Um, I don't have Mm -hmm. a tally of what actor showed up the most in a a starring role in the twilight zone, but I'm going to guess it was Burgess Meredith. Um, And he shows up. 
We are. And he actually shows up um, in one of my favorite episodes, which is one of the hour-long ones, so we won't be there for a while. But um, uh, in turn- 2022. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but uh, in terms of the episode, I think, it's, I think it's a good episode because it does have – it has a simple story, as Brandon said. Um, yeah. I think uh, following uh, following Henry Bemis around, um, he's a likable character, which was a problem I had with a couple episodes ago where you had no character who was likable. Um, you, you felt for him because his wife was legitimately a sociopath. I've never seen somebody that mean ever. Um, his but, boss was a dick, too. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, it's kind of nice to see all these awful people die. I mean, not see them. You actually do see the boss. But um, do you, you see know, the boss, or do you see his tape recorder? You see his hand. Oh, okay. Holding the tape yeah, recorder. Yeah, you do. Which is like, what kind of a narcissist reaches for the tape recorder at the end times? Maybe he people. To, his maybe people to do a podcast. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted someone to tell his life story. I'll tell you what. There are times at work where I wish I had a dictaphone too, because I'm getting tired of typing. So I'm all for the dictaphone. My interns would not be though. Um, and so in terms of – I mean I don't remember the, fir- the first time I saw this because, like I said, this one is shown so much that we've all seen it a hundred times. I think it holds up. Uh, is it one of the best episodes of all time? Well, we'll talk about that when we get to our rankings. But um, that's my first impression out of it. Uh, Brandon, uh, let's talk about a little bit of what worked for you. Uh, what, what works for me the most, and uh, we, we've already mentioned it, is Burgess Meredith. Like I said, our my our biggest issue with um, Escape Clause a couple episodes ago was that David Wayne's portrayal of that character was just totally unlikable. And you cast this incredibly likable actor in this role, and you're really, uh, from the beginning of the episode, you feel for him because he's totally alone in the world. Even when there's people there, he's alone. Um, because there's no one else quite like him. And then, you know, and once, um, once, you know, the bomb goes off and he's left to himself, you really sort of go on this little journey with him and you sort of, um, you feel his despair when he wants to take his life. You feel his joy that he doesn't have to be around these terrible people anymore. Um, you, you, you go through the emotions when the, when that final cap on the episode happens at the very end, it, it does break your heart just a little bit. And um, his his performance just really makes the episode work. I mean, there. I mean, the, the the writing in the episode, of course, is wonderful too. And just um, the the way it's shot and the way it's set up, as we mentioned, you know, the the budgets for these shows now are, are going up as we're tracking through season one. But just just the quality of the episode overall is good. But for me, it's Burgess Meredith that works the best. Yeah, um, Craig, what do you got? Um, I, I liked his portrayal. I, I did like Burgess Meredith quite a bit uh, in this. Um, I also liked just the, you know, I, you guys have talked about how much Serling wanted to, how con- how controversial really the show could have been and how much of a risk it was for them to put it on network TV and the political statements that were trying to be made. And so obviously this is like one of those that really just slaps you in the face, you know. Um, it actually reminded me somewhat of the first episode of the twilight zone, um, that you guys went through, uh, that he spent the latter half of the last 12 minutes of the 25 minute episode, uh, on his own, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of wandering around the town, uh, which I thought was an interesting parallel considering it's not that far into 
the series, but it was for completely different reasons. The, the first one being this uh, trying to, to make sure that man could uh, reach for the heavens and the this one for showing that man can also destroy the heavens. You know, it's just a really interesting, I thought it was oh, a really yeah. interesting um, uh, juxtaposition between those two episodes that were sort of similar. And I liked that uh, he was able to, to use that storyline again or use that plot device of being the last man on earth again in a completely different way. So uh, that worked for me a lot. Yeah. And as we mentioned, go ahead, Brandon. No, I was just going to say, and you know, we, we've mentioned before, you know, Serling has about four or five different plots that he just reworks again and again in totally different ways. And of course the, uh, the um, isolation is one that's constantly used throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as we kind of talked about a few weeks ago, too, we're now into a place where all of his scripts that he wrote before, or at least came up with before the pilot came out, are gone now. So yeah. now he is definitely in a realm where he knows he at least has a season. Um, and so I, this is the first time we have true political commentary. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've had commentary on uh, death, immortality, um death again yeah. <laughs> uh the moonshot but this is the first one where it's like we have a chance here to destroy everything and i think that's gonna be something he comes back to again uh, a lot um but it, it, it's nice to see the political commentary starting to come out in this show because um this show and i, I talked about this our first first like our episode zero this is one of those shows because of the theme and because of the ability to have fantasy it can talk about things that other shows cannot uh oh yeah so this is i think this is truly the first time where he's he's starting to stretch that uh brandon i agree with you i think the number one aspect of this episode is um uh, is Henry himself and Burgess Meredith. Um, I, I, I love Burgess Meredith. Uh, he's a great character actor. Uh, we joked last week, um, him as the penguin stands out. I have a somewhere <laughs> in my parents' house, I have a Burgess Meredith action figure because I have the penguin action figure from Batman yeah. 66. Uh, but, uh, obviously most people know him, uh, from his later roles, uh, as, uh, as, um, in Rocky as Mick. Uh, but, um, I mean, in terms of the other characters, I don't think they hold up. I mean, even the um, the lady at the bank at the teller window at the beginning is not really an impressive character. The the boss is a is a jackass, but there's not much to him. Uh, the wife is just certifiably nuts, but it doesn't matter because they're all dead within the first ten minutes of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you're why, able. Why to- make the choice though? Like, why make the choice to make them so unlikable? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because that's what didn't work for me is that you they they are like caricatures of awful people. And I mean, when it comes down to it, he was reading a book probably every day while he's supposed to be focusing on being a bank teller and he gives out the wrong change. I mean, this guy is not a good employee. So like the boss in particular, maybe if they made him a little bit more um, sympathetic, you might you might kind of feel for him and it might've given a more emotional impact to the fact that they're all dead. I mean, the first airing of this, like we've seen it a hundred times, but you know, that was probably a pretty jarring episode when it first aired, but I feel like 
is that why you think that he made them all such jerks? Because he didn't want them to also carry the emotional weight of that event happening or. Well, this was, um, now I was just going to say, this is kind of an episode, an era of entertainment where everything was a little more cookie cutter. Um, you know, bad guys were bad and you didn't really, you know, explore the depths of them too much. So I, I think in order to make your good guy extra good, you had to make your bad guys extra bad. And so that, yeah, that, that's one thought I had. But, but was, but, was, was, uh, Henry a good guy? I think Henry was a space cadet and he's probably on the spectrum. He's not more. Yeah. I, I don't know if you'd call him a good guy. I think you would call him sort of a relatable guy. Um, a guy that Serling wants you to relate to in some ways. But Craig, I think you gotcha. may have hit on something here because I've been trying to figure out, cause this episode doesn't, um, it doesn't really, you know, wow me as much as it wows other people. I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad episode, but, um, it just doesn't strike me as uh, one of the really great ones. And I was trying to kind of figure out why, but I think you may have hit on it in the fact that, um, yeah, you, you, we, we pretty much are shown at least this large city is evaporated. It's, it's just, uh, it's gone. Um, and it's kind of implied that it's not just the city, that everything is gone. And so that should carry some more weight to it. And part of that is that Henry, as I kind of joked in my synopsis, doesn't put much weight to it. I mean, he talks about suicide for about a millisecond, uh, and he Uh honks the horn of the car to try to find people. Um, But really, at the end of the day, aside from shouting his wife's name a couple times, um, he doesn't care either. And so him as our protagonist not caring about the end of the world, we don't care about the end of the world. Uh, and yeah. I, th- I think that I think that does dull the um, the impact of the episode just a bit. So I think I think you hit on something there, Craig. That I I was trying to figure out why I felt that way, and that, that's probably why. It's because I'm a genius. Well, okay. <laughs> so Craig already kind of opened the floodgates, but uh, well, Brandon, we'll go back to you. What are some of the things that uh, didn't work for you? Um, I, I mean, I, I, I do agree with you all that, um, you know, even though they don't spoil the greatness of the episode for me, that the, um, supporting characters are a little too, a little too, um, just one dimensional, but, um, you know, I was, I was comparing it to, um, where is everybody as I was watching it, because I said it is very different. And Earl Holloman's character in that first episode is really sort of this all American every man. Whereas Henry Bemis is, is much more of a niche kind of character. And, um, I, I think he's still relatable, but, um, you're right. As I was watching it though, um, as, as wonderful as Meredith's performance is, there's still something about him that leaves you just a little cold. Um, but I, I don't know. It's weird. Like y'all are saying, I, I, I love the episode, but you know, you can't quite put your finger on exactly, on exactly what leaves you cold about it. Maybe that's what Serling wanted, but, um, you know, I, I think the tone of the episode is fine. I think the writing of the episode is fine. Um, but at the, at the very end when the glasses break, there's just something so, um, 
there, there's something so heartbreaking about it to me. And so, and there's, there's such despair to it. Whereas at the end of where is everybody, you know, you have a little bit of hope when he's looking up at the moon and there's just no hope at the end of this episode. And of course that's the political statement he was trying to make. But, um, but, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't think there's too much about this episode that doesn't work for me though. I was going to ask, when are you guys going to have Rod Serling on? Um, this is supposed to be like a West Wing weekly type show, right? So, uh, you know, well, we do have a ghost episode on. coming up soon. Yeah. Anyway, no, um, no, I, I agree with you, Brandon. I mean, it's, it, it just, it, it struck me like watching it again yesterday, um, for the first time in, in probably 10 years. Um, I was like, why did this stick with me so much? And yeah. I, I think it's because it, it does still have a huge impact and they do show it all the time. And Burgess Meredith does do a great job, but I don't know. It, it, as an episode, I think that there's better ones out there. Um, yeah. You know, so anyway. Yeah. I mean, all that's making sense to me. I kind of already hit on what didn't work for me. Um, so we'll just kind of roll right into our, our closing thoughts on this. Um, uh, Craig, I think you've kind of already hit on it a bit on how you feel about the episode now, but is there anything else you want to add about the episode itself or um, in general where, we, where we've, since you haven't been on here to talk about it, uh, where we have uh, already been with uh, Twilight Zone and what you're looking forward to as well? Well, I'm looking forward to another hundred and some odd episodes of your uh, mugs uh, on YouTube. 147 but, no, after the really, Oh, man. <laughs> really, I um, – I think it's a cool, it's a really timely piece to do right now. When you said that you wanted to do a Twilight Zone show, I think it's a really um, good time to do that because you mentioned actually, Scott, in one of your first episodes that the anthology uh, show isn't around as much anymore. It's it's kind of making a comeback, though. If you think about American Horror Story, um, but also Black Mirror on Netflix, um, those are so modeled after the twilight zone and it shows how relevant um, this show can be today. And some of the political themes that we're dealing with, I mean, things like race or um, the episode that uh, the two opposing soldiers that can't communicate with one another, um, the threat of some kind of world ending event, like a nuclear war, those are still so uh, they they permeate our culture throughout um, any any time really. So I think that that's why yeah. you could revisit this, and these shows can be timeless in that way. Um, also to connect it to something that I love, uh, you know, Walt Disney World will still forever have the Tower of Terror. Um, I hope so, so. When you get Which, to that episode, when you I, I can't remember what the episode is that they stole the clip from. Um, but you'll have to do some research there and, and make sure you, you note that that is the episode that plays before with the, the really bad, uh, dubbing of a Rod Serling wannabe. <laughs> aren't, um, aren't Henry Venus's glasses and the tower of terror. There's a lot yes, of, they are. Tower of terror, but yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. The, the book of man, um, is in there. Uh, how to serve Henry man. Venus's how to serve man. Yeah. Uh, well, I forgot to mention it when we uh, when we did um, escape clause, but um, uh, the elevator is inspected by and I'm blanking on his name now. the The name of the devil in that episode. 
Oh, um, and we just talked about it a couple of weeks. Okay, well, everyone's shouting at us now who's listening. But the, 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 the devil inspected the elevator, and there's that little plaque there. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. that The dummy is in the basement when you finish up. The other thing, too, with our version of uh, Tower of Terror, and Craig, I think uh, yeah. we, sh- we should do like a special just on Tower of Terror, especially in September after I get back from it. Um, sure. But uh, the our, our, our Tower of Terror – has two uh, separate towers. So there are two separate rides. And depending on which one you ride, there is different stuff in the basement when you come out. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, the California one is the same ride complex that kind of spins off, so you get the one show. Uh, you know, Even with Guardians, though, it's going to be a one-tower thing. Uh, yeah. So y- you, you could easily ride Tower of Terror several times in Florida and see different things because there are two different rooms full of stuff when you come off the ride. Um, They've also automated the, um, the drops. So it used to be that you just dropped once mm-hmm. uh, and now you could get I, millions and millions and millions of combinations of ups, downs, big drops, small drops, um, which keeps it interesting as well. So uh, definitely go out and check out that ride. You it is, always it, go to Disney World. It is one That's of my the favorite all rides the time. at Disney. Yeah. Um, I don't get out there often, but when my kid sells 2,500 boxes of cookies, I get to go. So uh, we'll check it out Ooh. in September. <laughs> <laughs> uh, f- for me, uh, I think we've hit on a lot of this already, so I, I, I won't, uh, I won't uh, belabor the point. But um, I, I think um, – we we're, we're on run we're upswing here and kind of Brandon mentioned this before we went live uh, this time it is uh, starting a few episodes ago or I would argue probably the last episode um, there is about six seven eight nine episodes in a row that uh, whether you rate them highly or not are some of the most iconic episodes uh, and the ones that get shown a lot. Uh, oh, yeah. So we have a lot to talk about here in the next few weeks. Uh, Brandon, what do you got for closing before we go into ranking? Uh, no, I just, I, you know, there's, like we've said, there's just sometimes when things are iconic or when they're classic, you know, to use Jeremy's word and my word, um, you, uh, you really can't always put your finger on why it is. There's something just absolutely intangible about it. And this episode has that for me. I don't know what it is. It, it, it's just, it's the combination. I think the sum is greater than the parts in terms of this episode. Um, that there's just something about the way it comes together that really sticks with you. And, you know, when, uh, when TV Guide back in 1998 did their list of the 100 greatest TV episodes of all time, this and The Invaders were the two episodes of The Twilight Zone that were on that list. I remember that. Um, and then, and then they, they did another list in 2000-something, I forget. It was two other episodes of The Twilight Zone. But, you know, this, this episode's been parodied. It's been done, you know, had, had homages to it done to death and everything. There's something about it. I, I don't know if I would call it my particular favorite episode. I think I'm going to have to wait until we're at the end of our run to really tell you what my favorite episode is because we're rewatching them all and it's all kind of um, now fresh in my mind as we're watching things in a row now. But um, yeah, it's, it's one of the, one of the four or five that stand the test of time and the, you know, if, if you were to make a time capsule of the twilight zone, it's one of the episodes that would go in it. So we'll go ahead and move into our ranking. Um, 
for those who haven't uh, listened to this before, uh, we rank these episodes one through ten, uh, and uh, we compare them to other episodes. So a five ranking would mean it's an average Twilight Zone episode, uh, ten being the best of all time and one being the worst of all time and somewhere in the middle. Uh, we'll start with Craig first. Now, Craig, I, I have to warn you, I'm not entirely sure if we're going to use your score because I haven't figured out how we're going <laughs> to compile these yet. Uh, but we'll take your score and in advisement, and we'll see how you f- we feel about it later on. So, Craig, what word did you put um, time enough at last? Well, thank you for telling me that uh, my half hour has been worthless. Uh, here. <laughs> Just pretend um, you're a Republican in Illinois voting for president. It doesn't count. Okay. Or a Democrat in Sangamon County. Uh, <laughs> so let's see. It, let's do 7.2896. Oh. Now I'm definitely repeating. not using because I don't want to use that math. <laughs> so you made it easy for me. <laughs> so between. So, uh, okay. 7.3 because I did 7.29. <laughs> Yes, use your significant figures, Craig. So <laughs> Craig's putting it around a seven. Uh, Brandon, where are you putting it? You know, I have to say, I came into this discussion ready to give this episode of ten, a Whoa, ten, but after, but after, but no, I gave Walking Distance the ten. Oh, did you? Okay. Uh, yeah. So, but I have to say, as we were talking about and talking about the flaws, I don't like it as much as Walking Distance, so I'm going to give it a nine. I mean, I'm in the same boat, but I'm a, I'm a harder scorer. Uh, I actually went back just now and checked my score for walking distance. I really need to compile these now since we've actually got some several ones going. But I gave walking distance an eight, and the the other higher episode I gave was uh, where is everybody? I gave a six, and uh, I think uh, as Craig mentioned, this takes a where is everybody episode and kind of builds upon it. But I I still think walking distance is the main episode and i'm gonna i'm starting to feel that i'm probably questioning my eight because i think i've artificially lowered my entire scoring set from now on <laughs> uh, but i'm gonna try to stick with it at least for now uh before i break my curve so i'm gonna give um i'm gonna give time enough to last a six as well uh wow. above average episode uh it's very close to a seven uh, but I think maybe part of it is the fact that I've just watched it so many times. It's it, it doesn't impact me as much as it did. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna give it a six. So All right, we're we're kind of spread out on this one, uh, especially Brandon. Yeah. This is a, probably the, the like difference it. we've had. Um, <laughs> so this uh, first off, uh, thank you, Craig, for joining us. We'll probably Thanks let you join us again. It is nice yeah. to have somebody else on here. Uh, and I, I do want to, I do yes. want to put out the call because we're going to have 156 of these when we're all said and done. If you have an episode that is one of your favorites that you would like to talk about, we'd be happy to, uh, uh, see if you can come on here too and, uh, and chat with us so we can kind of break this up a little bit. Um, we, one thing we didn't do Brandon yet is we haven't closed out with Rod. So what yeah. do Rod have to say? The best laid plans of mice and men and Henry Bemis, the small man in the glasses who wanted nothing but time. Henry Bemis, now just a part of a smashed landscape, just a piece of rubble, just a fragment of what man has deeded to himself. Mr. Henry Bemis in the Twilight Zone. So with that, we'll go ahead and close things up. Craig, you want to give the shameless plug since you're on? 
Sure. I've just been sending people to the website, www.thefrontroomreviews.com. You can get everything you want to there. You can contact us, find our social media links, um, listen to all the Beyond the Mouse episodes and everything else that we have too. Great. And when you do find us on iTunes from the website or from on uh, Slacker, Stitcher, whatever, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating. Uh, so we can get moved up in those search engines so other people can find us. And then if you're watching this on YouTube, same idea. Please be sure to subscribe and like the video. Uh, only People only get to see it if you, uh, you like the video so it winds up in their search engine. So even if you can't stand us, help us out. Get us a few more views. Um, until uh, next week, uh, I'm Scott McFarlane, and with me has been... Brandon Davis. Craig McFarlane. Craig... Bye, Craig. Bye, Craig. <laughs> oh, my God. Nightmare fuel. Thank you. Hey, actually, that kind of All works. Right. Uh, and until next time, we'll see you on the couch. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Zonisodes. Zonisodes is a special presentation of the Front Row Movie Reviews podcast. For more information, go to www.thefrontrowmoviereviews.com. 